ever find yourself barely able to hold your head above water? Waves of IEPs, data collection, assessments, parent conferences, not to mention lesson plans and seasonal activities are all crashing around you. You need help, but not just from anybody. Grab the lifeline that is the Help for Special Educators podcast. We will equip you with creative solutions and teacher-tested strategies so you can navigate the rewarding but difficult job as a special ed teacher. This is Lisa Goodell, your host. Today, the episode is all about the importance of parent and teacher communication. This week, I talked with Petra Ablaza, a special ed teacher at the middle school level. She teaches students with moderate and severe needs. She shared the importance of establishing good parent communication right away and gives some great tips on how to do it. Now, this conversation did have some technical difficulties, but I appreciate Petra's patience as we tried several different ways of making it work. And I also appreciate your patience as there's an issue right in the middle that I was not able to fix. So hi, Petra. Hi, Lisa. Why don't you just take a minute or two and introduce yourself and let us know what kind of special ed teacher you are. I teach special ed self-contained middle school, taught elementary special ed self-contained for three years before. I've currently been at my site teaching middle school for the last 10 years, and I'm really enjoying this grade level and this age group. So what do you think is the most important thing about having good teacher and parent communication? The most important thing is to just be consistent and pick something simple that you can continue to do throughout the school year. And if you build that relationship where it's easy communication between parent and teacher, then if a big issue were ever to arise, I feel that the parents and teacher have a good relationship and it'll make things that much easier. Yes, I think that's very true. That's a really good point that you make. Whenever situations come up, if there's misunderstanding, miscommunication, uh, maybe there's going to end up being a IEP meeting that maybe parents or staff aren't sure how that's going to turn out. I think having a foundation of communicating home regularly, like what you're saying, I can really see how the parents are going to feel like you're really listening to them. You want their buy-in. And so if they come into a meeting where they have questions or concerns, it seems to me maybe there will be a better communication because of all this stuff that you've been doing all the time. Yeah. They'll know that everything you're doing is in the best interest of their student. They'll feel it because you've been building a relationship all year long. Right. I think that is so true. I feel like the bottom line is that if there's good communication between teacher and parents, the students will benefit the most when they see parents and teachers working together as a team. And I actually have a special needs son. So in the beginning of my teaching career, I did have parent-teacher communication, but I would say it wasn't as regular or wasn't as consistent as I would have liked because I was just so overwhelmed with being a new teacher. Before you had your own kids, would you say that trying to communicate with parents was harder? Yes, definitely. Before I had my own kids, I think maybe I didn't even know what parents might want to know, if that makes sense. Right, yes. Once I had a child with special needs who was limited in his communication skills, then 
I kind of saw more what parents like to know about their child's day. So it helped you then once you had your own children, it probably made you a better teacher. Yes. I tried communication notebooks that would go back and forth. I found that I wrote in it a lot, but I didn't get parents responding very often. So it was a little discouraging for myself. And I felt like I didn't have much time at the end of each day to be writing in every single student's notebook. What I found when my son was diagnosed with autism when he was three and a half, he did go to a special needs preschool. And then I saw how important it was to get regular communication from the teacher because at the time he had very limited communication skills. So I could not really ask him what happened at school or I could ask him, but I didn't get the answers I was looking for. So his preschool teacher had a great newsletter that would come out weekly. And I found it to be so helpful and so comforting as a mother to know what exactly they were learning every day, what concepts they were going over weekly or monthly, any schedule changes, anything that might be different in their day. She would send it home weekly. And it was something I could bring up with him in conversation as well to try to get him to practice communication. As I was going through that phase with my son in my classroom, I tried to implement more communication with my students' parents as well, because a lot of my students are nonverbal. And I knew that parents would want to know basic things about their students' day the same way I wanted to know about my own son's day. What I did was create what I call daily news. And it's something that goes back and forth daily. I send home a letter at the beginning of the school year explaining how it works. And basically, I laminate everything so that we can use the same sheet back and forth every day. It is differentiated based on the student's level. So I have some students who use picture options. Some are able to use word options or fill in the blank. So basically, it says, you know, daily news and it gives today's day And then the student gets to choose my day was good, okay, or bad, or it has a blank. So some of the students will fill it in themselves. Some will do a picture option and it's just Velcro. So they'll choose from a little booklet with all the options and then they'll choose it themselves. And then also they get to tell about what they enjoy working on today. And then what did they eat for lunch? What was their classroom chore? So it's very, very basic, but it's just a communication system from the student to the parent. So this also helps because it allows the student to recap their day. And then when it goes home, the idea is that the parent can read it together with the student and then it'll give them something to talk about. It opens up communication opportunities for the parent and the student. And it's also an easy way so that the teacher doesn't necessarily have to write a separate note each day to the parent. Yeah, that could take quite a bit of time if you're a teacher and you're having to write out a paragraph on 10 or 12 different students. And that's where, you know, I was having trouble as a new teacher to have to do this for every single student. So this was a great way for the student to do just a recap of their day, but at the same time, communicating basic things to their parents. Of course, if there's something out of the ordinary, then I do communicate to the parents myself. Absolutely. Now, do you think that the type of communication that is done would change depending on what type of classroom you teach? 
Yes, for sure. So I teach students with moderate and severe disabilities. So I do have a lot of students who are nonverbal or have limited communication skills. So a lot of the stuff that parents and I communicate about are things that might affect their performance at school. For example, parents can easily communicate to me things about whether they didn't sleep very well or they might be tired today because of something that happened last night or change in medication or they were running late, they didn't have time to eat breakfast. So things like that in maybe a mild moderate classroom, a child might tell you themselves, whereas in a moderate severe classroom, the child might have difficulty communicating that to the teacher. But if the parent is able to communicate that, that's such a minor thing that we can help out with. If we know this child might be extra tired today, we can give them more breaks. Or if they're hungry, we could provide them an extra snack. Things that could really change a student's day if there's just that line of communication that's open. I totally agree. Now, I came from more the mild to moderate special ed classroom. We typically didn't do communication logs or books, but definitely for some students, I would have maybe a chart showing their day, whether it's like a happy face, sad face, and we could mark it during the day. I also had a form, this was English, Spanish, where I would write something happened today. And that wasn't necessarily what they ate or what we did. That was more if something came up, like they fell on the playground. I tried to call parents, parent didn't answer the phone, but I really want parents to know, you know, or they had a really tough time doing their work and they got in trouble. But then later in the day, they were able to pull it back together. So I would have just a checkoff list that I could check things off, like when it happened, where it happened, what happened. And then I always had something down at the bottom of how did they end the day? Were they better? That type of thing. That's kind of following up with what you're saying as far as if there's other issues, then you would communicate differently. But daily news is just kind of the basics because the students are nonverbal. They're not going to go home and tell their parents that you had a craft or that you did a snack or you watched right. their favorite video or whatever. So you're kind exactly. of putting that in there each day in a simplified form so you don't have to write paragraphs to every parent. Yes. And the interesting thing about that is that I let the student fill it out themselves or one of the staff or I will help if we need to. But basically, it's the same format every day. So the student does get to know the questions and they know which picture options to use if they need to use those. I had a student that one day he wrote that he had a bad day. It was not apparent to any of us why the day was a bad day as he had put it but I let him leave it there because that was his opinion to him it was a bad day and then the parent later called me and asked why did he have such a bad day so that's now something that I explained to the parents also that this is their opinion of their day I mean we're all allowed to have good or bad days so I explained to her that I just kept that there because that was his choice to us there was nothing out of the ordinary right yeah sometimes things make sense to kids, but we don't have the full picture. Sometimes talking to parents, you can work it all out, but sometimes we don't really know. Maybe they were out of chocolate milk and he had to have regular milk, but it's good that you're affirming his feelings that those are important and those are his feelings that he can have ownership of. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And I also like how you're having it between the student and the parent, Mm because at first, 
I'm thinking, oh, this is between the teacher and the parent. The teacher is the one letting the parent know what's going on in the day. But I really like how you've set this up. So it's a learning activity in the classroom where the students are reflecting on what did we do today? And they're putting in their choices and all of that. I really like that. Now, do you ever have them do some kind of communication system that's not with Velcro? As far as do you ever do anything online or or say with different apps? Not with my students. With myself and the parent, I do use apps. The main form of communication that I use now is the Remind app or email. I do send home a monthly calendar of events that is a hard copy. And the rest, my announcements, anything I want to message the parents about, I do use the Remind app. I have found that it works like a text and parents are more likely to respond or to see the message because it comes through like a text. So it's on their phone. Most people have a smartphone now, so it's a lot easier for them to see the message or to respond back to me if they would like to respond. And also the Remind app does translate into um, some major languages. So if parents need translation, then I think they just hit a button and it'll translate for them which is very helpful. Okay, that's that's awesome that it can actually even translate into other languages. And this is where we had the worst of our technical difficulties. In fact, I did lose a little bit of our conversation. I asked her if there were any other types of apps that could be used to contact parents. Petra talked about the Blooms app, B-L-O-O-M-Z. And also we talked a little bit about Class Dojo, C-L-A-S-S-D-O-J-O. So if you're interested, I will have links in the show notes. So we're going to go back into our conversation now where Petra explains the effect it has on the students when they know that their parents and the teacher are having regular communication. As the communication between parents and teachers become a regular thing, the students also get to know that I am always communicating with their parents. So I have a cute little story about um, a student that I have who is limited in his communication skills and is just learning how to use his iPad, but is not yet quite proficient. We had played a game and he had won and he was so excited about it that he immediately asked me, please tell mom. And he pointed to my phone because he wanted me to send a message to his mom. And she completely appreciated it and just was so excited because she knew by the way he communicates, it would have been really difficult for him to communicate the whole story and how he won and how excited he was. So the fact that he could tell me right away to tell his mom, I thought was really exciting. I have a release from the parents where I can send pictures. I could then also send her pictures of the game and him winning. And so it was just a neat thing to have that communication going with the parents. Oh, they love to see the pictures. Well, and especially when you could tell the mom that he was really initiating it, that he wanted you to tell mom. I bet that was even heartwarming for her. It was. And she did express that also, that she loves that he could say that and that he could let me know that it was him that wanted her to find out about his little day. Now, when you say that he has an iPad, does he have a communication app on there that he 
is learning to use? Yes. He's learning to use ProLoquil. Okay. Yeah. So then I suppose the next step, maybe you've already done this, would be to try to teach him how can you tell mom using the iPad or does he bring that home? He does. We are teaching him. So that was a perfect teaching moment also to go in, show him where the different icons are so that he can go home and also tell mom. In case he can't go in and find it, it's good that I've already communicated a little bit to her. Plus, if he's at home trying to look up something on the iPad, she kind of knows where he's going with it. So she can kind of help too. Yes. Yes. So she can guide the questions towards getting the right answers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And communication is all about the kids realizing they have this power to communicate, to express and get something that they want. In this case, hopefully he's wanting his mom to hear his story about what happened at school. So it's a great real world situation that might help him want to use it more when he sees the success he's had in getting you right. to mom. And then if he can follow up and tell her at home using the app, that's, that's awesome. Yes. It's a huge motivation. Are there other things that you might use the apps for to send home pictures or other things that you do in school? I really like that you're using the app more than just to communicate something totally necessary. I love sending home fun pictures of any activities that we do when we go on community-based instruction trips. I love to take pictures of them actually using their skills to maybe pay for things or to place orders at restaurants. It's always nice for parents to see that because sometimes students perform differently at school or out in the community, but with school staff, maybe they perform differently than they do with their parents. So sometimes it's very surprising to parents. It's just exciting for them because they get to see a different side of their students that they don't always get to see. Oh, yeah. And plus, it can help the parents see that, oh, maybe my student can learn to be independent in a certain area. So maybe I should have them give the money or the credit card to the cashier. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Oh, I didn't know they can do this. Or he never does that when he's with me. Right. So that's always really exciting. And typical teenager, too, because if you have middle school students, they're getting to that age. Yes. I also like to give little reminders of things like tomorrow we'll be on assembly day schedule or we're going to have a fire drill in the middle of the day. Different things that parents can help prime their students the night before because there's some of those kids who just need to hear it at home and hear it from school and hearing it from both parents and teachers sometimes helps them be more successful the next day. Yes. And it helps parents know to even ask about it the next day after school. How did it go? That also, yes. Or if they had a hard day today, was it because of the fire drill today or was it because of the schedule change? Right. So it also helps for them to follow up with it also. Do you find that sometimes parents don't do such a great job communicating what's going on at home? And have you seen an improvement in the newer systems you've been using? Yes, I think it helped. I mentioned earlier that because of the app, it's a lot easier for parents to communicate. So if they don't have time to write a letter to me explaining something that happened at home, or if they don't have time to call, then they can just send me a message through like the tech or the remind app, which works as a tech. So I feel like they do definitely communicate a lot more using that system. The parents who still don't use that system, I do usually try email 
and it has made it a lot easier. That's awesome. Basically, I just feel that teacher-parent communication is such an important part of a successful school year for each student. And there's so many different ways that you can build into your system. There's a lot of ways to do it and it can be really overwhelming, but I would just say pick one that works for you. Very good stuff that we have here today. So Pedro, I just want to thank you. Uh, One last thing, if people are interested in connecting with you online, how can they do that? And then also, do you have any blog posts or resources that might help teachers or even parents if they want to do any of the things that you've talked about, either the daily news or anything else? Yes, I have a PPT store. It's Sailing the Spectrum. And there is a daily news that's actually on there as a free download. You can get that there. My Instagram handle is also sailing the spectrum. And my email is sailing the spectrum at gmail.com. Okay, that's excellent. I really hope some people go check out your store. And especially since you have a free product there that is this daily news, then they can go and really see what that looks like. I also want to remind people that if you want to go to the show notes, you can go to www.lisagadell.com slash podcast. And then you can click on the link for this show. And then that will take you to the show notes and it will give you information that we've talked about here. We'll have links. I'll have information about Petra. Petra, thank you so much. I'm glad that we had this conversation and I hope this really encourages teachers, maybe perhaps even new teachers maybe even pre-teachers that are just finishing their schooling that are looking to start in their classroom next year. This will give them some options to research to figure out what might work for them. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad Petra came on the show today to talk about the importance of parent-teacher communication and the tools she has used over the years. After our talk, I got to thinking that technology over the years has definitely changed the method of delivery. But we still are communicating the same things as always. We need to foster relationships through praise and appreciation. I love that Petra let the parent know about the student who wanted to tell mom about how he won that game. It didn't have to be about grades or academic performance 100% of the time. And what a great connection to make with a parent. So think about what small things you can share with parents from last week or last month. I don't think that encouraging parents ever expires. In fact, I'd like to challenge you to contact five parents this week with positive things about their child. The method you use doesn't matter. Just do it. Through connecting with them, you'll be encouraging yourself. Because if you had a crummy week, this will make it better. And you know what? The beginning of May is teacher appreciation time. This is a hard time of year for U.S. teachers with the the end-of-the-year assessments and IEPs and squirrely teachers. Oh, oh, I mean kids. We're all ready for school to be out. So if you're feeling frustrated, stressed out, or overwhelmed, take a sticky note and write one sentence of thanks to a coworker and stick it on their door or in their box, or even just send them a text. I promise you will feel better afterwards. A simple text can mean as much as treats or other gifts that cost money. Words of affirmation are always appreciated. In fact, just today, I got a text from a teacher that I just met because I'm doing an initial assessment for one of her students. I've been to the school three times now and haven't tested him yet, 
By the way, I work with students with orthopedic impairments, so it isn't uncommon for those students to miss school for doctor or therapy appointments, which is no big deal. I'm used to it. Anyway, the teacher and I had exchanged numbers so I could find out if he was at school today before making a special 45-minute trip to the school. So I texted this morning, and she said yes, he was at school. So I was able to get the assessment done. However, I was really surprised tonight when I got another text from her. She was thanking me for working with her student. That was out of the blue, but totally made my day. It took her less than a minute to send that text, and it was so encouraging. So let's all just take a minute and do that for somebody else. Today, I want to follow up from last week's question that came from Kayleen. She's a college student who's planning to go into special ed, and she wants to know the details on what makes the first year of teaching the hardest. So I asked this in one of the special ed Facebook groups that I belong to, and I got quite a few responses, but they were all written. So I'm going to read some of them to you. So here are some things that made the first year hard for teachers. Jasmine says, for me, who is in her first year right now, planning lesson plans for three or more different grade levels, assessing, which is having assessments that go with the IEPs, and having a lot of things to grade. Kirby says, learning the paperwork, scheduling, creating lessons, and creating your own stock of lessons materials takes so much time. It's also exhausting learning how to work with all types of students. It's one thing to read about it and to know you need to do it, but it's a whole nother thing to put it in place. And I also just want to add that it does get easier each year because you gain more experience. And as you make materials, you always save them so you can use them over sometimes. Keeley says, telling a parent in an initial IEP meeting that their student has a suspected learning delay or impairment that's affecting their learning. That is a conversation that is very hard to have, but does take place in preschool or elementary level. Okay, School Bells and Whistles says, writing IEPs, taking data, differentiating for multiple ability levels, and daily routines. Susan says, making connections with new people, not knowing whom to trust or ask for help yet. Organizing yourself so that all your data or IEP nonsense makes sense for you and satisfies legal requirements. Saying no to all the extra things that you will be asked to do because you're new and don't want to be seen as an outlier instead of a team player. In short, the politics of public schools. Christy says, I've been teaching SPED for 15 years and things change all the time. Sheila says, learning paperwork, expectations of the district, district rules, utilizing paraprofessionals, setting expectations for them, making a plan for what to do if they don't follow your expectations, balancing it all, not letting schoolwork consume your life. I've been doing this for 18 years. Everything changes frequently. So sometimes I feel like I'm a first year teacher all over again. And the last one I'm going to share is Crystal. She says, you're really treading water year one, just trying to get it all done and having no experience and not having stuff made in advance. No lesson stuff, no visual supports, pre-made, etc. And I'm going to stop there. There's lots of other comments. So I'm hoping to do a show or maybe even a series of shows this summer about tips and ideas for new teachers that will also help all of us teachers that have been around a while 
So that's it for today's voice memos. If you have tips or suggestions that you would like to share, please send me an email to helpforspecialeducators at gmail.com. You can send me something written or send me a voice memo. And if you don't know how to do a voice memo, you can go watch the video that I put in our Facebook group. That Facebook group's name is Help for Special Educators Podcast. So I hope to hear from you guys. Now, when I start to get stressed or overwhelmed about school stuff, I find it helps to take a moment to slow down, stop, and focus on my breathing. Sometimes, I also might say the serenity prayer aloud or in my head. Here it is. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I might also add a few of my own words. Here's a sample for us special educators. Help us to listen and truly understand our students. Please give us words, actions, and solutions which will help in difficult situations. May our classrooms be peaceful places where teachers, staff, and students learn and thrive. After that, I try to go out and find someone else to help because helping others keeps me from selfishly dwelling on my own problems. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you heard something helpful during this episode that you can implement in your teaching. Remember, you are amazing. What you do makes a difference, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Go find someone else to encourage because they probably need to be reminded that they are amazing too.